Welcome. Hello. To, welcome to. Welcome to. Movie. Welcome. Movie. Smoothie. This thing that we might. What was that? Robots. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Movie Schmovie. Haven't heard that new song. Welcome to. Yeah. Welcome to. Mm, <laughs> welcome to Movie Schmovie. Oh wow! It goes like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's kind uh, of a coincidence that someone spot. has that song on the charts right now. Spot Weird. That pump. Yeah. It's crazy. We might have a hand in that. We could. We should probably look into that. Yeah. We do have a registered domain and an actual. We could maybe get some money. We yeah. Could. I don't know. Who knows? We could technically. But uh, welcome to episode sixty-eight. Mm. The one that comes after sixty-seven yep. and before sixty-nine. <laughs> Which we're all looking forward to, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Got that little giggle in there, our immature selves. Uh, so, yeah, we took a little bit of a small break, vacation times. Both John and I did some stuff out of our towns of home. I went on a, um, sick- <laughs> I went on a sickcation, is that correct? Rana was sick, and we were out enjoying ourselves. Was, that seems like maybe that's how it should be. I don't I, know. I, I mean, food poison. So, Steve it's and karma. I have a little tan, and Ronald is actually paler. <laughs> you do look like you have a little less color. There's extreme irony in this. I, I, I shit on taco bell constantly it's over between you and taco bell i shit on them on twitter and then i they caused me to shit for three days Mm. that that's it that comes around man i actually said as i was in my bed this sweet irony and i clenched my fist and put it up to god or i wish i would have seen that or or sky border justice works fast (laughs) crazy (laughs) crazy so so bean burritos are now unsafe yeah, I'm now I'm now healthy, but it, I just started eating. I just ate my first meal today. Like I know for a fact 40. that last night you ate popcorn with, Ooh, with ravenous glee, and you Ooh. also had shrimp that was deep fried with cheese around it. It was so, so bad. That, that's good for you. It was so bad. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I so thank you for them. that one shrimp you gave it was me. So bad. You love them. It was good. You know what? I'm easy good? to please when it comes to food. You know, it'd be good cheese. Yeah, and and shrimp. Well, maybe after you've had such a such a cornucopia. <laughs> It's good to bind, bind things up, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A little cheese. <laughs> pack it all in. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot it all out, right? <laughs> so we, we have a big film that we're going to feature today yeah. in this episode. Um, we'll get that in a moment. It's a rare occasion, once again, where we've all we've seen... We've all seen it. We all right. sat together in a theater. It was a beautiful thing. Yes. And you get to we listen to this... next to one another. The week that it comes out, right? And the week, the, yeah, the it's day. so timely. We are... A game this week, guys. Yeah. We Great did, job, all of you. Finally, Hollywood got their shit together and got on the movie schmovie schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they got well, the movies lined right. up with our episode. Get them into the theater. Yeah. Get it timed right. when it comes out. Now that it just hits at the same day and time, mm-hmm. this movie's going to be huge. Right. It'll be huge. <laughs> yeah. exactly. We're not going to tell you what it is yet. We're yeah. going to hold off on that. Right. What are we gonna Although you first? know, because yeah. you've seen the title of the episode. <laughs> oh, right. True. Very true. Very true. You just... Some of our listeners are maybe less observant than others. Yeah. Some people, they just subscribe. Uh... They click play. They don't actually read what it is. They like the surprise. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I know. Like I know people. a lot of people have an Apple script written that actually starts playing the latest movie schmovie. <laughs> like... Yeah. Without them having to do anything. Yep. Once it's downloaded, it starts playing. On the list of things that is, that are worth spending time on, absolutely at the top. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, got to get that one off. The yeah. icon for that script is us in cartoon version. Yeah. The three mm-hmm. of us. Mm-hmm. So, so what do we got first, guys? We got a. Um, well, there's a little news item. Yeah, I know. yeah. I think oh, yeah. I think it's kind of cool because we talked about it recently in a prior episode, and uh, it has to do with, I guess, the changing times, technology, the way movies are changed in terms of distribution, funding creation altogether and it's uh basically having to do with kickstarter um after the successful funding of the veronica mars film which uh recently ended and i think it was over like five million dollars it raised yeah 5.7 i think right so nearly six million dollars which is outstanding and which is too over what it wanted almost right right um so today 
or actually, yeah, today, Thursday, when we're recording this, Zach Braff basically launched his own Kickstarter uh, for his film, Wish I Was Here. Wish mm-hmm. I Was Here, yeah. Wish I Was Here, um, that he wrote with his brother. It's producing. Really cool video he's got on there with Jim Parsons. Uh, who else was in what that? The- um, Chris Hardwick's in it. And yeah. uh, shit, what's the other guy's name? Donald, uh, Donald Faison uh, from Scrubs is in it as well. They have great chemistry. They absolutely do. Yeah, which so I don't know if he's going to be in the movie that he's trying to fund, but who who I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Um. But we we talked about it before at length and and kind of discussed the the future that that successful Veronica Mars thing had yeah. would have on the way that actors that have a following, uh, or you know whether it was TV or film prior. I think the floodgates are open. And then right. the question also then became when's it going to seem like a line has been crossed where this right. is like. You know, like when will it start to seem kind of inappropriate in a, sure. in a strange way that people are asking for fans to sort of front the uh, bill, front the bill? Yeah, sure. it used to be or at least in my mind, when someone would contribute thousands of dollars to your movie, they become an investor yeah. and they might get profits. I mean, admittedly, <clears throat> if someone's spending the money because they want to, there's I have nothing against it. And I don't even have anything against the Zach Braff project. It's just that this is one where he even said in his little piece that he wrote uh, that it's a movie that he could have gotten done in the Hollywood system, uh, but he didn't want to deal with all the creative uh, restraints yeah. that would have been. And I understand that fully as sure, well, but sure. it still seems like it's still I don't quite understand why the fans are putting money in and not being treated like investors, not being treated like right. like anyone else who was given money to a project like this well, just a few years ago would have seen. Here's the crazy part. It's it started on the 24th and so far the the first day. Mm-hmm. $1.1 million. Yeah. It's going to hit it probably. Absolutely. By, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably going to reach its goal. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's gonna I will say it. that I backed it this morning. Right. Uh, you do care to reveal at what level? I backed it at the $40 level. That seems, that's a, that's a which, which, right? which is yeah. the most popular level if you look at the number of backers, mm-hmm. which is, I think, is what I would want out of it, which is, you know, like production, diary, the script eventually, mm-hmm. um, like musical playlist he's going to be releasing for the soundtrack. Um, a T-shirt that's being made for them, but but the cool thing is, is that there's gonna be like a collective screening process for this level of backers, where you're gonna be able to basically be a part of a screening of this film online, and uh, you know, in an act- interactive Q and A after the screening with with him, and mm-hmm. you know, I guess maybe some other people involved with I the movie, do that. which I'm is really cool. Um, I'm a fan of his, a lot of what he's done. And I think I totally see where you're going, John, and what you're yeah. what you're. Thought- I'm not trying to be a killjoy, but it- no, it's valid. I mean, I, it's crossed my mind too. But I think what I just kind of see it as in the end, you think, okay, well, their ultimate goal, and they even mentioned this on the page that you know they plan to screen this at Sundance in the fall. They plan to sell this to a studio and to you know make money off of this film. Mm-hmm. So my forty dollars, you know, I'm like you said, I'm sort of fronting the bill to get this movie made. You know that it's not going to only cost two million. There's money already into this film, probably somewhere mm-hmm. in pre-production. They've already done. You know, money spent on concept stuff, like, you know, whatever. But it's just the fact of being a part of something. I don't get it. It's not an investment where I'm getting a return, but there's an incentive for me mm-hmm. in terms of being a part of this project. Right. It, well, at the $40 level, it, it makes more sense to me. Right. Because, yeah. I mean, like, I can imagine spending that much to go to, like, a special screening with a Q&A attached or something of that nature. I mean, exactly. I can imagine doing that if exactly. it was a filmmaker that I really cared about. And I think maybe that's the other thing about it is just that you have to sort of be in for the kind of fan, quote-unquote, fan experience, which may sometimes be separate from your eventual feelings about the movie. Like, what if the movie happens and you kind of feel like it's not as good as you'd hoped? Mm-hmm. I guess at some, on some level you'll still be glad that you took part in the experience of totally. it. Totally. Yeah. You know, so all you got to do is hope that, like, the brand name of <laughs> Zach Braff in this case, since since you, I know you really enjoyed Garden State, so yeah. it's like, 
that's a pretty safe bet. From that. yeah, and from my perspective, and I think it's cool to be like I've backed other films on there, um, like smaller, much smaller mm-hmm. films before this whole Veronica Mars thing took off. Um, a film called Jeff, which is a documentary that I saw at the 2012 Film Festival here in Maryland. Eventually, after backing it, you know, pretty well in advance of that. Uh, it's like a documentary about like you know basically about Jeffrey Dahmer. You never and, told me that you backed it yeah. until after you saw it. Yeah, well, yeah. I didn't know that. That's why I went to see it because yeah, I, yeah. I I, I got the updates. Know you know that it was a part of the. Film I didn't festival. know that, that. I was wondering why you were so like. Well, Steve's kind of being secretive. He's like keeping things to himself. He's leading a double life. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you after the fact. Maybe uh, Ronald. Maybe maybe Steve's a serial killer. <laughs> maybe he is. Maybe he's Dexter. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Maybe but I am. Then, I but, maybe I am. Or. Ooh. Wait, wouldn't he still be Steve? I'm confused. He's yeah. Steve Dexter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Steve Dexter. Steve hyphen Dexter. Oddly enough, that's my middle name. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. But yeah, it's cool. Like I, I like I just as a as a backer and just from experience, whether it was that smaller film or a big film like this, it's it's and it and it goes beyond film. I back a ton of stuff on there, like products that I think will be cool, you know, mm-hmm. for my person or for my technology or anything like that. I just like the idea of being a part of helping something get made. Whether it's film or anything, just an idea come to fruition, whether or not and they could have made it with a film studio where he wouldn't have had Final Cut, like he mentions in his video. I, I like that idea, you know, the fact that you can go outside of it, find a way to do it to include your fan base, even if they are, in, in essence, fronting the idea of you making this movie and a studio will eventually profit off of that. that, that, yeah, it's that like- that's a piece of the puzzle that... As a fan, I will never have a hand in yeah. unless I worked for that studio, which, you know, whatever. But it just it, it gets me involved in the process before it eventually and inevitably, in most cases, will hit that part of its whole lifespan, mm-hmm. which is hitting theaters, how it's marketed, who ends up making money off of it. I'm not going to and I'm fine with that, but I am going to have a piece in it and I'm going to get things, incentives that will remind me that I was a part of something that could be, who knows, it could be another hit. It could be another I don't know, another garden state or whatever, you know, it could be a successful film that is good, you know? Yeah. So I think it's cool to be a part of that. Yeah, it's, it is. It well, you seem to be going into it with both eyes open, which is like different, I think to me than the person who spends thousands of dollars to like go on set, which again, probably those people are really rich and they have the kind of money to Absolutely. do that. But I picture somebody who doesn't quite have the money and can't really afford it. And is spending a few thousand to do something <laughs> like a this. Kidney to go. Yeah, that's like a super and, fan and, that has to just get in. And of course you can't tell when you, when it shows like three backers or four backers at that high level, you don't really know, but you still, I still sometimes go like how many of these people are putting this on the credit card and worrying about it for later. And well, how many people are like, I was going to spend 10,000 gambling this weekend. Oh, cool. Now I get to meet some <laughs> yeah. stars, totally. you know? Totally. Well, yeah, the 10,000 one was gone like immediately. Yeah. yeah. Like the it's top also, one was gone. It's also weird that we're funding a movie of a guy that probably makes significantly more than we Well, that's, well, that's what I'm John saying. was alluding to and earlier. And it's like, I hate to I agree. That, but it's like, I hate to, like, it does seem like now it's losing that idea about the amateur project that needs the leg up. Back to what you said, if a cool movie gets made and this made it, more personal or made it where the director got to do final cut or whatever. Let's just hope that the director's got his head screwed on straight. Sure. And it's actually that good. Cause it yeah. could also lead to some really weirdly self-indulgent projects <laughs> that don't have anything to do with what yeah. any audience wants. Absolutely. And the other side of that to me is if that then becomes pure profit, that's a lot of, pro- I mean, it's great. It's great that it the fans, if the fans are excited about helping an artist that they love, that's great. But if it's a matter where the fans are being made to feel like, oh, this artist needs my money. See, it's interesting to see how it'll pan out. Yeah. I'm, I'll see the movie regardless. I will. I think I'm going to contribute 40 once I get paid. So, Yeah, so I mean, it, it's interesting. We'll see where it goes. But yeah. it's, this is like the next big one that look, it, you know is going to be successful. Like, John, you mentioned earlier that like there are some out there now that aren't very successful. 
like you, I think you'd mentioned like a Melissa, Melissa Joan Hart has one. Yeah, that's for not a movie called be... Darcy's Walk of Shame or something. Okay. And it's like it's a movie that she, uh, someone she knew wrote a script and she liked the script and she it's a, like a basically she said in a write up that a studio wouldn't wouldn't bank on her leading a romantic comedy. Right. And uh, and that she believes she could do you know good things in this role. Obviously, it's she's probably thinking at a certain point in her career she'd like to be getting bigger parts. So this is a way to do it. Yeah. But the response is really low. I don't it know when it went up, but it's like it just doesn't. It hasn't. You know, both Zach Braff and the uh, Veronica Mars had the immediate groundswell of this really active fan base on the internet for sure. both him personally, I guess, and and. Uh, and for that, as a sh- Veronica Mars as a show, right. that I just don't know that Melissa Joan Hart has outside of some of her like more recognizable projects. I mean, I don't even I don't even really know what her best bet would have been, but this seems like a a, a case where we, as we were saying before, when you speculate what's going to happen when something relatively high profile just kind of sits there, uh, the Melissa Joan Hart one seems to be it. So, right. But so some will succeed and some will fail. I yeah. mean, and that's kind of where I think you'll you'll see. I guess it will be like that little bit of like gray area where people will invest in it regardless of what it is based on who is involved with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then sometimes that won't succeed either, like in her case. But we'll see where it goes. And I'm pretty excited to be to be a part of it. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's cool. I This sounds like you do more kind of just browsing on Kickstarter than I do. So I've never oh, really yeah, thought about doing what you sound like. I mean, you go and just... Look at like what's yeah, new I, I, or whatever. I browse through like you know different like technology, design, film, music, and just kind of look at things that are either featured or just you know you can search by keywords. Mm-hmm. Like I've backed like uh, like a handheld tripod for your phone, which I have. I've backed like these things that are called they're called uh, laces, which are basically inserts for your shoes that take away the need to actually tie a knot. Mm-hmm. It basically keeps them loose so you can slide them on and off. They're called lace anchors, actually. It's called Velcro. <laughs> yes, yeah. lace anchors. Dude, seriously, Ronald, I'm going to give you a set when I get them. They ship next Monday. <laughs> Mr. Tennis Shoe that you are, you're going to probably love them. <laughs> I'll send you it later. But yeah, okay. basically, yeah, yeah, I do that. I mean, like, I sit I sit on there and I look at stuff, you know? Like, mm-hmm. sometimes they're featured things, sometimes they're not. Like, the Jeff thing that I did, that documentary, was not. Obviously, it was smaller, much smaller. But, I mean, you know, something that piques your interest, you know, especially... The, the, how they have the level structured yeah. out. I mean, it's 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 something that I could realize. You know, it's something I can I can legitimately be a part of it without feeling like I'm going too far in or yeah. like I'm being cheap. Like I can some I can say something like, well, one thing might cost me ten bucks and one thing might cost me twenty, but that's not bad. I mean, that's like going out to dinner once. Yeah, yeah. and I and I can be a part of this cool product that may eventually like. I missed backing like the Pebble Watch, which is a huge you know t- piece yeah. of technology that's out there right now and it's huge, and I missed b- backing that. And, you know, I kind of regretted it. I've been watching it and I wanted to, but I didn't. And now it's like, you know, it's in stores. It's, it's, it's a piece of technology culture now that a lot of new products are now imitating. And it's like you can be a part of that. What's going to have to be the next level is when some really successful product or project gets out there and they make so much money that they then go back and, like, pay it forward. Oh, that'd be to incredible. Their, to oh, their backers. That, that's, yeah. you know, it, that's it, definitely It's next nice level. to see that it's not like, I don't know. I, I, there was nothing equivalent to this. I guess the equivalent would be. Somebody going door to door, like, hey, I have this invention. Well, you can invest in that, that stuff is ridiculous. Like, when, you never... Did that ever happen in your life? <laughs> no. <laughs> you've, done, you've done a lot of research. Bulwark Empire has changed my perception. Hey, I've got an invention. I've got an invention. Knock, knock. No, but you but you hear about inventors all the time, and yeah. they're, you know, like I guess what what you know when Steve will mention like that whole thing about some odd little product. Like I, I usually read about those, but I don't. I haven't often gone gone and backed them i don't know that Mm -hmm. does seem like a you know it is it is an interesting again like i've said if if something cool happens because of it 
then it's already working, obviously for for a lot of people. But right. But the, yeah, the sad thing is that market when it when 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 the market's just not interested in what you're offering. That's, yeah. I mean, sometimes it'll echo your prior attempts. You know yeah. what I mean? And that and that tells you something, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly for Sabrina. Or, or Clar- Clarissa, however. Now, as we said, it. if she was doing a Sabrina movie or a Clarissa movie, oh, I bet yeah. I bet she would get backing. Well, I'm not in, but somebody would back that. <laughs> I'd back it for like <laughs> yeah. ten bucks, ten yeah. bucks. Yeah, but just especially if like, you got the like you know if Sam was in it or whatever, I'd be down. I don't know if you want. Well, I mean, I don't even know if she's gonna have like an animatronic cat in this. <laughs> I hope she does. Not interested. His voice was so annoying. Oh my god, it's so it's so annoying. Yeah. So. That yeah, yeah. that thing we just talked about yeah, that's good you stuff. Get, you I guys think. see any movies? Um, I didn't see a ton beyond the feature that we're going to talk about. I did see a comedy, an indie comedy called "It's a Disaster," mm-hmm. which uh, I thought was rather great um, for being a movie that I almost completely would have never heard of. Um, I told Ronald like they did some weird thing. Like I don't use the app, but I read about a press release like the Vine app. Uh, I Is guess Julius Styles and David Cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like the studio um, released like basically released the film over a series of vine posts, which is like they're the, these six second loops of video that you can post, you know, through social media. Mm-hmm. And that was like their big thing. Like they posted this movie in like six, That's crazy. six increments. Um, but yeah, I checked it out and it's actually, it's actually rather good. Um, David Cross, Julia Stiles, and there's a really cool, um, I guess they're called comedy troops. I don't know, like these collectives, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, like radio silence and things like that. These guys that directed the film, they're called the Vacationeers. Um, they actually got pretty popular a few years ago ago with uh they did like a Google video series for Google Maps, mm-hmm. um, the Street View component of it, which you can find on YouTube that are actually really funny. But the one one member directed the film, Todd Berger, and the other three members are in the film. Uh three of the men in the film. But uh yeah, it's just kind of a cool take on um you know, if the world was going to end or there's like a, you know, a nerve gas or something in your area kind of bunkering down with the people that you call your closest friends right. and kind of seeing how life plays out when you kind of are forced to stay together and possibly air out things you don't feel comfortable taking with you to your grave or, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, inevitable, you know, you don't, and the ending of the film is really cool and that it doesn't really give us a lot of answers, but, um, it's, it's just a lot of great situational comedy, dry humor, David Cross is really funny, and actually, America Ferrera's in it. I like America. I, I yeah, Ferreira. I don't really know a lot about her, but I thought Ugly she's Betty pretty was great, a great in show. it. Yeah, I've heard that show is pretty cool, mm-hmm. kind of like a Veronica Mars show, actually. Um, but yeah, it's a disaster. I think it's like on video on demand now. Um, I would definitely check it out. It's like a cool little indie comedy that uh, almost flew completely by me. What about you guys? Um, I saw the story of Luke with uh, Lou Taylor Pucci, uh, Seth Green, and a couple of people. Um, he basically is about a someone that is autistic but he's functioning autistic and he's uh just graduated from high school but he's a little older and uh, he finds out that his uh granddad is sick and his grandfather's kind of been watching over him and he tells him basically towards the end of his life they need to go out screw screw some women and get a job and become a man and uh he takes it very seriously and kind of goes out into the world and pursues it and it's 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 really funny, really sad, but it doesn't feel like a like a parody of someone's autism. Like it feels very genuine. Okay. Um, and seeing seeing Lou Taylor Pucci in this kind of role, I mean, even though he plays a lot of awkward characters, it's very different for him. 
And uh, it's it's a real good it's a really good movie. After seeing him in Evil Dead. After seeing him in Evil Dead, I definitely suggest seeing it, especially if you've seen Evil Dead and you kind of are interested in him as his, his. Well, everybody, I haven't seen that yet, but everybody seems to like his performance in that movie. So. Yeah, it's out on Amazon, so you can rent it. And apparently, it's supposed to be distributed at some point and coming out later this summer in some theaters. So cool, it's a good movie. I saw a movie that I think you saw as well, Sightseers. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I actually watched that in my little marathon with with it. It's a disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember seeing stuff about Sightseers, Sightseers like last summer. It was, I think it it was premiered like some... it premiered at Con <clears throat> yeah or Can 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 Con. It premiered at Can uh, last year, like last May, and I I think it actually is coming out this May. Here, yeah, like May tenth, like it's finally it's coming like out in like a limited release. release. Yeah, but it's available. Well, I mean, it's come out on. It's already been released on home video in UK. So, mm-hmm. uh, the yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, I thought it was, it was a really unusual film. It's almost like such a weird mix. It's like it's got comedic elements, but most of the comedy springs from an almost kind of naturalist. Like these are these are weird. Uh, these are uncomfortable people to be around. And most of the comedy right. comes from how uncomfortable they are. Like there are still, there are some moments of kind of broad comedy, but I sort of, it's almost like a naturalistic portrayal of like this really sheltered, weird, repressed woman. And then yeah. this guy who goes, her boyfriend who comes to take her out on a, on like a, 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 a caravan trip, yeah, which like is which trip. like, they're taking like an RV around England and they're just stopping at campsites and doing like little local attractions and stuff. And I think it's a type of holiday that people do, I think that's like a in England. That's a that's a thing you do. You know, you kind of right. take these camping holidays where you just go camp on a spot and then you do all the local stuff in that area. Um, and it, yeah, it kind of turns into a sort of. I mean, it wants to be sort of a, a horror film in ways, but but it's also very comedic. I don't know. I thought it was really dark, but but mainly what I came away from it thinking was just that the two main performances were just really solid and conveyed a really strange but oddly believable relationship as these two people uh you know it kind of turns into one of those falling down type scenarios where you have like someone who's someone who's coming unhinged and they're looking at all the uncouth people around them and they're sort of taking revenge on society but uh the fact that it takes place in this pastoral setting that's supposed to be beautiful and that everyone's out there just to walk around it you know it's really yeah yeah i was a a fan of it as well i mean like i I, i'm not going to really add much to what you said because i don't want to repeat what you said because yeah. i mean it's pretty close <laughs> to everything in the movie but it does kind of walk a weird line like where you know there's light there's like light moments in it and mm-hmm. then like the next moment it's it's very dark like yeah. death you know and things that you're like oh my god like i can't believe you just did that and and but then and the, the part of it that's great is seeing is playing with her reaction to everything that he does yeah and how she's like so sold on him right. that she's okay with it you know and that's like part of what john just said like this really shelter like this is her way of trying to attach to something outside of like this life that she has with her mom which and is clearly a very <clears throat> a very uh unhealthy kind of close Absolutely. relationship with her mom like yeah, there's her mother- a quote there's a quote that her mom she shares with her mom i wrote it down uh her mom says you're not a friend you're a relative mm-hmm. like they're trying to she's trying to say well we're friends you know like yeah. oh, we're good friends mom and she's like no you're not a friend you're a relative. like that's their relationship <laughs> and her mother is like in like catatonic state basically yeah. mourning the loss of her dog and we find out a little bit more about what happened to the dog as the movie goes on. Um, right. And it's all very, like, it's kept very simple. And I do think what Steve was saying is very true, that, like, you're watching the, the um, what's her name? Uh, Tina. Yeah. Tina and Chris are the couple that go on the holiday. And you're seeing how she kind of goes from 
being really sheltered to being around this man who she's sort of, whether she's in love with him or she's just kind of fascinated that he seems to be her kind of ticket out of this weird household. And then as she kind of starts to adapt to that life of, of choices and doing stuff, it it's, you know, it it's interesting how the, the movie kind of keeps twisting, not necessarily, not necessarily in the plot sense, but in the character sense, like who, who's involved with what they're doing and how it kind of goes back and forth without giving it away. It, it's just it's really interesting to see how things play out between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the arc of the movie, it doesn't really go to that many new places. Once it's about 30 minutes in, you kind of can, you kind of get what the, what the movie is going to be in a plot sense. But from a character sense, I thought it was like really well observed. And again, she's a little bit at the beginning. You almost wonder if she's supposed to be autistic or something like that, because she's so awkward in these social situations, but you start to see that she's that person, you know, I mean, we all know that person who's a little bit, weird mm. around around people you know and and i'm sure we're all thinking of several yeah. people right now <laughs> that are dear people. i think we probably all have yeah, one they're, person they're, in they're, mind. Deal, they're well-meaning people but you start to imagine well what if that person if they did sort of if they did sort of let themselves go and let themselves be free and what what if they what if they did awful things you know rather than like i feel like the movie we're going to talk about at the you know our main movie in this podcast uh is another one about kind of dumb people that do awful things. Uh, and this movie is a different angle on that, but right. like it, it's, I was interested to see that it wasn't as purely motivated. Like I compared it to falling down, but it didn't follow the obvious trajectory of just, they meet someone, uh, the person annoys them and then they, they come into contact with that person. It was much more, it was trickier than that. And, and I also think it's worth mentioning the guy who, the guy who directed it, <laughs> the guy who directed it yes we're getting a nod here steve just typed and we've all confirmed the person that we all oh, thought of dude. yes um great but person. uh great person. ben wheatley the guy who directed this also directed Same. a movie uh called kill list which i really i have it i've never seen ago. it oh it's oh, so good see it. i think kill list is actually a little bit more um uh, i don't know like intriguing and 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 maybe darker even like okay. kill list is more is more naturalistic less played as a comedy but right. um uh really disturbing in the same way, but what both movies have in common, I noticed, I looked at the director, he works with a, a cinematographer named Laurie Rose on both of those films. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very well-directed movies. Like, you know, like Sightseers is not like a showy movie, but it's just well shot. It's like they just, it's it's got that kind of simple direction where it's it's not real flashy, but there's a lot of interesting visuals going on. So I would recommend maybe a double feature with Sightseers and, and Kill List if anybody's interested gotta, in seeing some, some like dark and sometimes funny uh, British movies. Nice. Yes. So you two all saw a film also that was wide release last week mm-hmm. while we took our week off. You want to mm-hmm. mention it real quick? Kind of o- go through? Oblivion. I don't want to steal it from Oblivion. Uh, Oblivion. I want to just start by saying, you know, bring this uh, a, like a little follow-up. We were talking about, you know, Tom Cruise's character is named Jack Harper in this film. Yes. Um, and, of course, we were thinking about, like, that seems like every character is named Jack. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I thought I, did, I would just look into Tom Cruise's films and see how many times he's played someone named Jack. Named Jack. And I was actually surprised. It hasn't happened that often. And, in fact, if you look at the names of all the characters that he's played, it's almost as though Tom Cruise makes sure that it's a different name that he hasn't had before. He's had, like, a Nathan. He's had a couple of a Joel and a Joseph. He's had a Pete. He's had a Ray. He hasn't had that many of the same name. No Mike's. No um, but uh, can you think of the movies that he plays someone named Jack? There's, there's, there's really only three, and I'm going to put uh, sneak a fourth in, but that's a trick. Jack, Jack Reacher. Ding, 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 <laughs> hey, ding. You got it. <laughs> well, we know Jack Harper. We know Jack Reacher. Jack. So there's one more, and then there's one Jack. that you might count, but I, I, I think I'm being. Oh, uh, Legend. Jack, yes, in Legend. Oh. And then 
the one that is like a half is he plays Stacy Jacks. Okay. But I was actually surprised to see that. You know, I expected like four out of five of them to be named Jack, but actually Tom Cruise seems to. I'm, I'm now Mix convinced. I'm now convinced that he says, "Get me a Robert. <laughs> I need a Bill, not a William." I've done that. There's been a rewrite on probably most of the scripts yeah. just to change the name because most they're going after him. Let's just call him Jack. Yeah, he looks good as a Jack. Jack. Well, but but I, yeah, the movie though. Yeah, in, in Oblivion, I think it's Tom Cruise <clears throat> at, at his sort of smarmy Tom Cruisiest. Like, there's some moments in that that just don't play as anything a human being would do. Yeah. Or his relationship. There's a bobblehead that he talks to throughout the movie. You know that, what I'm talking about? The the bobblehead. That's oh yes, in his, yes, yes. He, it's like I think that Tom Cruise thinks that like this is what people do that they like get in their car and then they turn to their bobblehead and they say, "All right, buddy, let's go." I just don't think people do that, but yeah. I think Tom Cruise thinks that people do that. That's, that's and so, the, but if you were like very alone, by, alone on on what was Earth, do you think he might do that? He's got uh, his uh, his that's lady friend in his ear it. the entire time. Yeah. Like the, their contact but is almost constant. He also needs an escape from her because she she's like his boss too. Oh so, man, I, I, I maybe I respond well. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what you do. Maybe I respond well to the sort of bossy, uh, <laughs> she, you know, fair-skinned woman or something like that. Yeah, but I thought I really liked that how she was constantly she kept him. Yeah, she was. She, she was, was in his ear the whole time. Yeah. So I guess we should talk about what it's about. So yeah, in the future, um, it is said that a group of it's 2077. 2077. A group of scavengers, what do they call them? The, the aliens that the aliens they call scavengers, call scavengers that supposedly like came and blew up the moon or blew up most of the moon. Mm-hmm. And then after that, and that messed with our tides and our weather and everything. Yeah. And then they came in and attacked us after that. And yeah. we, we we beat them off. No one beat them off. <laughs> we, uh, we went to the nuclear option and we sort of fought back the alien hordes, the scavengers. Yeah. Um, and now there's very few people left on Earth, but we're still sort of siphoning uh, resources from Earth. And there's a little operation involved with these giant machines that are like, what are they using? They're using like hydropower to generate hydropower, and then and to like fill fuel cells or something. Yeah, and and then on top of that, this is like the nerdiest, most complicated explanation that we've yeah, ever it's, had to it's, do. It's strange, but that's like hydro something, and it keeps saying that over and over again. But the point uh, is that there's very few people left on Earth, and yeah. we only know of two. And they're, the la- they're basically at the last stage of this. Yes, they're getting taking, ready to... They basically have r- stripped the Earth of all its resources. They're getting ready to pull stakes and get stage out. stage three, almost done. And Jack is Jack Harper and his significant other are on Earth that kind of f- <clears throat> finish it all up before Victoria. they go back up to the other planet, mm-hmm. and it's over. Um, and then they're supposed to be joining the new colony on Titan, one of the moons of Saturn, which is supposedly yeah. where all the people have relocated to. It's a movie that's got twists, and I felt like some of the twists were sort of really stupid. Like, there's some things that the movie doesn't get to till it's like an hour and a half in right. that are apparent from the trailer. Yeah. Very and that apparent. started to annoy me. But I would say that it did have a few twists beyond that. I mean, I would say that if you're going to go see a movie just because you want to see what happens in it, this movie does have a few turns that are, like, worth seeing. But yeah. I felt like in the middle... When it was when it was drawing out the twist that is apparent from the trailer, I just remember I just started getting really impatient with it. Like it yeah. started to feel like a really dumb movie in the middle, and then in the end it, it kind of picked up a little bit. I, I think that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. At all? Well, here's one thing. I think that it was. I, when I as I watched this, I felt like I knew what the big thing was, but I don't think it was meant to be like a big secret for for us. And I think that it was one of those things where. Sometimes I watch a sci-fi movie and I feel insulted, mm-hmm. right? Because it's because a plot is simple, and I don't think it was that this time. It felt like kind of old school sci-fi where you would watch like a a show and it's all white and 
the weapons are kind of weird looking and the the hero is kind of quirky in his own yeah. way and it, it felt very old school in a good way. Yeah, he's the only uh, drone repairman with magic chewing gum that yeah. I've ever seen. It, you know that yeah, part at the beginning when he, when he fixes <laughs> And she says, what did you do? And yeah. he, Well, there's a part where he actually fixes. There's these, one of these robotic drones, Steve, that has a fuel cell that is not working. And so what Tom Cruise does, or what Jack Harper does, pardon me, <laughs> he takes out the fuel cell. He takes his chewing gum out. He sticks it in there. And then he puts the fuel cell back in there, and it works. And then his... Like his boss basically back at the base says, what did you do? It's working. And then he just, he doesn't explain. Like, oh, okay. I was thinking we would at least get a bullshit explanation as to why the gum no, acted just, as a conductor. But wow. no, it's just, I think that when you're, at, when you've got like, you're like a seventh level Scientologist, I think if you chew on a piece of gum, you charge it with some kind of magical energy that then, you know. It, I think it that's can, the science behind that. Yeah. Well, that's obviously what the movie yeah. was, was trying to tell us. Yeah. It's got a neat idea. It, 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 it did seem to me like a story. And I remember I wrote down at the beginning in my notes that I felt like the plot was being set up not as a real world. And it's real characters that were going to kind of occupy a world. But it felt like I was being given specific information to explain the plot in that way that you know a movie's going to have twists later on. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. When you can feel a movie like controlling exactly what information you have. Yeah. And yeah. it started to get a little tiresome. It's It did something that I think is really, really hard to do. And that's immerse you in a world where you've seen a million of these worlds before. Mm-hmm. And I still felt like I was immersed more than some of the more complicated sci-fi storylines. And I, I think that that's... I think that some some movies take on too much, mm-hmm. and this didn't take on too much. It and that is sometimes the problem with people. They think that it should be this big complex thing, and it's just a simple enough thing. Getting off of Earth, things get crazy. Yeah, things aren't what they seem. They unfold. And Olga Karolinko. See, I think we might have a battle as to which because I was I was a Victoria. Oh, Victoria, Victoria. I was Victoria all the way. <sighs> this this was a case where you know you, there's like the two. Love interests. Yeah. And also sometimes gorgeous. it's just hard to care about. Both of them were gorgeous. Well, it's a little hard to care about like when it's like they're figuring out what to do with the end of the world. It's a little hard, hard to care about like who he ends up with. But, yeah. that, but that's just movies for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this was an occasion where I think I was supposed to want him to be with one woman. Mm-hmm. But I actually liked the other woman better. Did the same thing happen twice? You know what? I actually thought this is a movie where we could have done like a spoiler conversation about because right. there's a couple things that are worth teasing up. We'll talk off mic okay. about that. But I know what you're saying. There's a, I have a theory about that, but okay. I, it's still kind of a strange one. Because, but there's yeah. a question I have about what what happened at the end to all the uh, the, theoretically there might be other drone repairmen out there. Yeah. What happened to them? But that's a question for right. another day. That's very strange. <laughs> we focused yeah. on the only drone repairman with the magical chewing gum. That's all we needed gotcha. to. That's all it we was a solid to. movie. I, I say see it. Yeah, I think we should mention something about Joseph Kaczynski, the guy who directed uh, Tron Legacy. Yeah. You know, one of the best things, if not the only really good thing about that movie was just the look they achieved. And this movie oh. has a lot of really, really nice visuals as well. Yeah. Uh, one more thing. Uh, the soundtrack was done by M83. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're an M83 fan yeah. out there, guys, but I am... And it is it is epic. Like if you like, if you like Tron, the Tron soundtrack, which I didn't. Well, no, I was going to say I actually like this, this music better. Same, it reminded me same. of the Tron music to some extent yeah. because it had that kind of pulse going. Yeah. And also, the, all the the evil drones make dubstep noises. Did you notice that? Yeah, they do. I wonder if that was like an anti dubstep statement yeah. that the bad guys go like whop 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 when they come around <laughs> yeah. the corner. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Also, uh, you know, uh, you watch Game of Thrones, right? Yes, Jamie Lannister. Jaime Lannister was, was in this, <laughs> scowling. Yeah, he's so tall. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so something I noticed. He was well, Tom Cruise is just really short. He was significantly taller. I don't know if he shares any scenes with him or not. And let, I think everybody else in the movie is fairly short. Well, it was cool that they got Morgan Freeman to play Lawrence Fishburne. I just I don't know how they did that. that was <laughs> yeah, really I mean, he is Tom Cruise, so. <laughs> so <laughs> check out the movie. I gotta God, check it out. Cool. I want to see it. I meant to see it, and I want to see it in IMAX. Do you say so. Oblivion or Oblivion? Oblivion. Okay, I heard people say Oblivion. I kind of like you Oblivion. You just smack them in the face. Oblivion. Don't say that. Okay. Okay, so moving on to our feature film this week. It is none other than Michael Bay's new non-Transformers film, Pain and Gain, which I've been very much looking forward to. Biographical movie? Biography? Is it a biography? <laughs> no. What? It's, like, <laughs> it's what you call it. Documentary? This is a typically a biography <laughs> focuses on like one person. Yeah. Okay. From uh, stem to stern. But what no, would you is, call that then? This is just a based on a true story. Based on a true story. That should be crime. another word, a better they, they term. They call it like a, a true crime story yeah, or a fact-based story. Fact-based story. It <laughs> still doesn't... True crime. True crime? True crime. Okay. Yeah, that's what you usually go with. Based and, on and oddly facts. enough, this movie is... A, like, it's one of those true crimes that is so effed up and crazy mm-hmm. that you're watching the movie going... Well, that can't have really happened. Yeah. And and that's I will say that's one of the things that really held this movie together for me was the notion that that at least most of it is true. You know what I mean? Like oh, otherwise yeah. there were moments where I started to think, well, what what kind of movie is this? But it's a really interesting film for Michael Bay, I thought. I think so too. I mean, one thing I was worried about with him in general is his narrative devices. What he uses to carry the story along. Can he do that? In a story that's based on something that really happened, because he tends to use explosions and things like that to transition sort of acts mm-hmm. sometimes, like and the end of scene. Yeah, yeah, he also tends to have like really shrill and uh, like obnoxious characters. Yeah, I was know, wondering that are dealing with some <coughs> amped up situation, yeah, but you, sure. when you think about like spending time with too many one liners, like I was, yeah. I was like, is it gonna be this this like high? <sighs> High action, low art. You know what I mean. Well, the good news is there were some like really great performances. Definitely, and Definitely. and I thought plot wise, like this is a case where as I was watching it, I did start to wonder what's the trajectory of this movie. Like, what's the real like? What kind of story are we watching here? But yeah. as it went on, I I thought this movie did a better job than most of assuming multiple points of view and kind of having like a hero less or a protagonist free story you know there's so many different sides and we're definitely put in the position of the these loathsome idiots who who just do awful things but at the same time we are allowed to see sort of the humanity of of these guys and so uh yeah i thought i thought it was it was much more interesting than i thought it was going to be going into it feeling like okay it's a michael like i turned to steve right before we it started and i said i don't think i've ever really liked a michael bay film i don't think i was being fair to bad boys i think that movie's actually pretty funny yeah and this movie reminded me a lot of bad boys yeah that's what i was going to say to begin was that it felt more like Michael Bay kind of going back before he became, <clears throat> excuse me, that he became like the studio action blockbuster guy. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting looking into some of the background. I mean, just real quick, the movie, if you're not familiar with it, basically painting game. It's the true story of this trio of bodybuilders from Florida. Uh, the Sun Jim Gang. The Sun Jim yeah. Gang. And it's actually based on an article of the same name. The yeah. article has the exact same name. Yeah. Which is uh, interesting. It may have yeah. even been a series of articles. It was yeah, three it was part. A, yeah. It was a three part article. Did you read them? I did, and actually, I, I read recommend reading. Oh, no, I wanted to. They're yes. ridiculous. They're yeah. so good. Um, but yeah, the story is about basically these three <laughs> bodybuilders who develop or devise this plan to basically extort this millionaire that uh, one of them, Mark Wahlberg's character, uh, is a personal trainer for, just basically to kidnap him, 
get him to sign away his money and mm-hmm. them just to kind of reap all the reward. And it's just about how far down the rabbit hole they go, um, how bumbling they are and how they just basically never gave up. Like they just, I mean, that's the one thing I think about when mm-hmm. I watch the movies, like as many times they screw up, they never gave up yeah. really in a lot well, of it's hard to believe that, th- that their, that their scheme worked for them as long as it did. Yeah. But I guess, and it's hard to say whether the movie played this up or whether this is part of the truth, but the fact that the guy that they kidnap and that they extort all this money from and all this property from and basically steal his life. Yeah. The fact that he seemed to be kind of an asshole that nobody liked yeah. seems to be part of why it worked. Yeah. That like nobody really was checking up on him or whatever. Like, and that's so, kind of why they victimized him too, right? right? So it's like a, the underlying lesson of it is a little bit: don't be a jerk, you know, or don't. But 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 as you, what I thought was interesting was kind of to your point, Steve, is that you're watching it and you're kind of following these bumbling guys, and there's a there's a few turns where I've never, maybe not since what what's that awful? Uh, uh, maybe it's not even that bad. What's that old movie where Mark Wahlberg played like the creepy boyfriend? Oh yeah, Fear, Fear. I've, has he played this villainous of a character? Because there was a few turns. He is a goofball, and we kind of love him, and he's like a dreamer, and he, he gets. But there's so many. So. There's a few points in this movie where his character does a thing, or says a thing, or makes someone else do a thing that puts him in the category where you're going like, "Ooh, I was kind of liking this guy's spirit, yeah. and now I see that there's a much uglier human being there, right? Um, or a guy who's like lacking a certain mor- moral sense, yeah." You know? it- and he uh, backs up behind these like. Weird... I thought he was great in, in that role, though. I thought yeah. he did a great job with it. Like he plays this kind of. He's good at. He should always play people that are a little bit vulnerable and a little bit dopey because he does a great job with that kind of wide eye. Yeah, I was gonna say wide eye. He's yeah. got it. Yeah. But the fact that what he's doing, he's also like, and this is such a schemer, and is like trying to preserve his own hide so much throughout the movie. I just thought that was an interesting character, and then, uh, lest we forget, you know, maybe the best performance in the movie is obviously Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, man, he's solid, man. He's he great is. in this. He's, he's, he's on. A, I, I haven't seen every film he's been in, but mm-hmm. most of them that I have seen him in, solid. He plays to the strength of the entertainer that he is. Yeah, yeah. And from you know wherever he came from with his sports career, his wrestling career, anything else he does, he's super entertaining. No matter what I watch him do, mm-hmm. and in this role, which you know, and we can talk about this in a moment. I did like a little bit of research into, I guess, where some freedom was taken with the story. Oh, yeah, he's okay. actually a composite character. Exactly, which I was surprised because in the even at the end of the film, it kind of shows him as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was great. I mean, I feel like he definitely just gives off that... He, it, for probably half, three quarters of the movie, he's one of the ones that you're kind of like... You don't really hate any of them right. or, or dislike any of them beyond the fact that they're doing something that you know is bad yeah. because they're charming. And mm-hmm. like they have this thing about them that you're like... They just want to get ahead. You're, you and know, the whole whatever movie's it is. actually about that, about yeah. being a dreamer. And was yeah. it being a doer versus a donter yeah. in the movie? And it's like yeah. he's a doer, and or I, I Mark Wahlberg that, is a doer, and he has this energy. So he enlists these guys that are like both, like Anthony Mackie also, but Dwayne Johnson. They both kind of just want to better themselves in this way, and yeah. it's just totally misguided. Well, attempt. I think that his role was a bit harder because he's literally almost two people yeah. in the movie. Like no, yeah, he starts you off don't... as this one person, and then he morphs into this. Into like all of his vices. There's like an evolution to this character that is pretty tricky to pull off. That in the end, when he's a little off the chain, we're talking about a guy who's basically like a giant robot who could destroy us all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Dwayne Johnson yeah. is an, an intimidating presence. And I don't normally watch the type of movie that he's become known for. But I thought in this case, it's like it definitely you could see him taking on, uh, you know, a pretty intimidating role in oh, something. Yeah. Uh, but and and keeping it funny too. I mean, this movie walked a tightrope. Yeah, it's very much a dark comedy. I mean, it's very dark. I don't know. Did you, 
I'm going to say something. I don't mean to put it in the same class of these films, mm-hmm. but the film itself to me felt a little bit like a Coen Brothers movie. It definitely yeah. felt like Fargo. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I, I kept thinking that throughout the film and even like with Tony Shalhoub's involvement, which I mean, he's been in some of the Coen Brothers films. Yeah, that was like the blessing, like the Coen yeah. blessing. And it just, uh, which I think is a really a huge credit to Michael Bay's abilities. I mean, because like I said, he's kind of been, he's like the big blow him up, you know, like Ronald said, and which most people probably associate him with, like The Rock, Armageddon. Well, he's become almost like a, a like a, like a villain in like, you know, movie buff circles yeah, because yeah. he seems to make these, these big airheaded movies that yeah. for, you know, but if you look at his movies, I mean, in general, like the one thing there, <clears throat> there's a craft obviously to what oh, he yeah. does. And it's like, it definitely comes from that kind of commercial directing school where like every yeah. shot is kind of flashy and you either go for that type of filmmaking or you don't. But this movie felt like, a much scrappier thing. I actually read that he, um, the way he got the funding for it, it's a low budget movie for him, like only 25 million, but that he got the fund. Basically he signed a two picture deal to do the next two Transformers movies. If he could do this movie Uh. first, but kind of untouched. And like, I think he and Wahlberg and Dwayne Johnson all like either didn't get paid or took scale for, you know, for profits. I think it was worth it. Yeah. I think, I think 25 million, it's easily going to make that right. back. Right. I mean, Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be number probably, one probably uh, today. It's yeah, made that back. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's R, I mean, that's the only thing it's got going against it, but I think it will find an audience. And I mean, anything with Mark Wahlberg and the rock in it together, it doesn't matter. I, th- I think, I think it's, it's going to be successful. Really well. It's, it's interesting though. I was reading an article um, or an interview with Michael Bay and this, this, the script for this, that, that like Ronald mentioned, it came from that Miami, uh, the the Miami newspaper article, which is a three part series, which you, if you go to miaminewtimes.com, dot com, they mm-hmm. have it on there, like all three parts. You can read it. Yeah, um, I definitely recommend reading it. But basically, this script sat for twelve years, over twelve years. That he actually came across this after he had made Armageddon, and wanted to make the film then. But because of how successful Armageddon was, and the studios wanting to make the next one, like The Rock or The Pearl Harbor or whatever, he could never make this movie. Like you right. know, people came in and out of involvement over the years. He said. But it just was a perfect situation, like when he when Transformers was so successful that he had the ability to be like, you know, basically I'll I'll do this for you if you do this for me, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, being you know a guy that lives in Miami, you know he he shot down there and it's just I mean that that itself the the city of Miami or of that area Southern Florida, it, it's it's kind of a character in itself in the film when you see yeah. how people live. Mm-hmm. You see a piece of people that live this way and a people that live that way, and they want that, and that's kind of what their motivations are throughout the whole film. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was, I was, I love. I'm gonna say I, I love the movie. I was really, really looking forward to it. Um, I, I some people seem to have an issue with the runtime. I didn't really feel like that bothered by I, it, it. I the only like I said, the only reason it started to feel long to me was in the sense of what later seemed to be an asset, which is that. I didn't know exactly what the climax of the movie was going to be. Right. But sometimes yeah. when you can't hang your mind on that idea of, oh, I know what this is going towards, you sort of feel like, I mean, definitely with Oblivion, it was stronger to me, that sense of like, I got to pee. I don't know if I've got 30 minutes or if I've got 50 minutes left in this movie. Yeah. I can't tell. This movie was a little bit more fast paced. So it was, there was no way to get bored. Sure. So in that way, it didn't really seem that long. I, you know, I, I had some misgivings about the, which I always do with Michael Bay, just the sort of 
I mean, there's always a sort of imply. This is going to sound strange, but I, just from the way, I mean, I know that like these guys in this are in this movie are definitely characters, and they're like they're kind of homophobic and they're kind of sexist. Mm-hmm. But with Michael Bay, I always feel like he, he's that way too. I don't know why. Hmm. Know something about mean. the way he shoots women, and something about the way like I feel like the the when there's like a few kind of homophobic jokes that the characters make, they're played <laughs> as like laughs that we the audience should laugh at. I do start to wonder if maybe there's a little bit of that in the kind of tone of the movie, but it's it's almost hard to separate like. What is the world of these characters from what is the point of view of this director? I mean, like, I mean, like Rebel Wilson gets off a few good lines, but there's not really that much for women to do in this story. Do you sure. know what I mean? And the few women that are there, like the blonde, is is a is a caricature of yeah, a dumb blonde, for sure. Yeah. Which is like, I'm not necessarily saying oh, I'm offended, but I I wonder. You know, I would be. It'd be interesting to see how many like upskirt shots of Michael of an extra Michael Bay has managed to work into a movie or something. Yeah. But you know, whatever. We've all. I, I we've mean, all had those. We've all got shots. boners. <laughs> I can honestly say that I, I, I've man, I don't use the word hate like hate like hate. And when I say that, I'm like joke. I hate Michael Bay's movies. Yeah, in general, I hate in them. General, like, I disagree I, with the type of movie that disgusted they are. by them. But this is so. This restores my faith in him as a director maybe uh, well i mean, yeah, I mean what he can do if this is an indication do, of what he wants to make what, what, and what, what excites what he can, him what he can that's do. that's much more interesting than transformers 4 and 5 you know i, I never thought that he Speak would be yourself, capable of doing like a <laughs> i'm sorry i can't i, I got to disagree i mean i actually like his i, I yeah. like the flashy i like basically everything I like that the you flashy. question i don't like his know? flashy right well i'm saying like yeah. I, I, i'm a fan yeah. of it like i'm a sucker for yeah. like how cheesy some of the armageddon stuff is or the rock um what about pearl harbor i mean i like ben affleck sign me up but I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, like Transformers 2, not so much, but I thought, you know, the third Transformer was, I actually thought it was pretty great. See, I didn't see that one, but everyone says that and the, it was that great the action in is IMAX. Better. Remember? I mean, that was, pretty it good, was though. incredible. That IMAX good. scene with the, the, yeah. the wing suits that or whatever so good. was ridiculous. <laughs> that was crazy. And that's an eye. I mean, like, I think he has a really, yeah. his style, I think is what I like maybe more so than sometimes his, his movies as a whole, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But his style is definitely still on display in this film. It's much more like a Bad Boys, especially Bad Boys 1 before, you know, he was Michael Bay mm-hmm. and, you know, could could make a movie like Bad Boys 2, which I, I still really enjoyed. But, um, you know, the slow-mo shots, that's, you know, the circular shot around the main character and the mm-hmm. slow and the, and the slow motion, really slow motion shots like the film opens on. Yeah. And, and then picks back up with the bookend at the end. You know, even after seeing a film like Evil Dead, which just tons of like graphic, you know, yeah. knee-jerk scenes, you know, yeah, gore. didn't affect me like this because it's literally knowing that this actually happened yeah. and the thought process going through somebody's mind, you're so deep mm-hmm. in shit that the next <laughs> yeah. thing to do is the absolute worst thing. Yeah. yeah. And and they do it over and over, <laughs> over again. And over. That, that actually, that's actually what started to make me like Michael Bay. Like, I was like, I kind of like this. Like, the scene where they're in the warehouse mm-hmm. and shit gets really crazy. Yeah. And he's like, I can't take this. It gets as offensive and, and as the movie gets. Then, in that right, scene, so, he, so the Rock's character is in a booth, basically separated from everybody else, and he's he's going berserk in his in his space. And there's a little crack in the glass, and he's like staring out of it, and he can't take it, and he just you got to see it. It's yeah. just very tense. And he's great. And also in that part of the movie, his uh, character is so unhinged. You don't know what is going to happen. What he's like, going to do? Like no, you can't count on anybody in the room to to. To like do the smart thing, the right yeah. thing, yeah, so good. Whereas I normally might watch one of his movies and go, "This is a shallow movie that doesn't have any point." 
I now look at this and I go, since it's a true story, it's almost like that's the point of is that it doesn't have a point that, yeah. it, and, which again is well, very Fargo. That yeah, at the end, absolutely. for what, what, for what did this all happen? I, yeah. You know, he's he's really good. he was really good in this movie at setting the rules really early. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that you you hear very early is he's talking about uh, Mark Wahlberg's characters talking about everything that he loves and who he believes in when he says who he believes in and he lists scarface as a person in you know that this man's is unhinged like his ideas about what it is to be successful what it is to be great when they go return something at the hardware store is just one of the yeah (laughs) (laughs) mark Mark Wahlberg losing it Mm mm-hmm uh, he lost it like 50 times in a movie. A, I love watching that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every take, time it happens. He takes a briefcase and keeps slamming it. Because <laughs> then he snaps out of it yeah. right out the words. He's like, all right, back on track. Yeah, he right. does it. I, got, I got this under control, guys. He does it so many times that it becomes Trust ridiculous. me, I've seen a lot of movies. Yeah. <laughs> and I meant it when I said it. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I, I genuinely meant that. Yeah. That's, <laughs> but that's not the case. It, it, it's solid, man. It's so yeah. weird, man. Like, he... It, you know what? I think I, I think I know why I like this movie so much. I think I love <laughs> movies where people, um, where people who are absolute ridiculous people take themselves seriously, way too seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, like The Office. Like that's the perfect example. Like seeing someone in, in their environment, kind of thinking they're they're the smartest person in the room. Yeah. And they are the most idiotic well, like, person. The character, too, like William H. Macy's character in Fargo, not to keep yep. going back to that no, movie, I... but he's such a fascinating character to watch. And he's got like that same kind of a different energy, but that same kind of you're just watching him going like, I want to see how this human being that they've created yeah. reacts to this situation that keeps getting worse and yeah. keeps getting worse what, and keeps getting worse. What was Tom him. Hanks's? What was that movie with Tom Hanks where he was... The Lady Killers, yes, the Coen Brothers. Say, the, yeah, that that one, that 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 thing where like he's just like, I, I got these suckers. Yeah, like that thing, like he was, thought he was smarter than everybody. I know. Well, yeah, you you <laughs> like, you so. buy right, you buy into those types of characters. So, like the beginning of even this movie, you're sort of going, well, this Mark Wahlberg character, he's yeah. got some hustle. Like maybe they have a plan. Maybe this won't get too far out of control. And how quickly it it gets out of control. Like instantly, it's more brutal and more violent than anybody thought it was going to get. And I also think the way these guys sort of didn't predict how tough it was going to be to just keep someone, you know, to get someone to do what they wanted them to do. Like I think they all thought that it was just going to be simple. But it's like seeing, and also I found out like, you know, it takes place over a month, like that period where they had the guy kidnapped. So, um, you know, the facts are out there. I I would almost recommend if you're going to see this movie to see the movie before you read the article, maybe, because there may be some prizes, some surprises in the movie. Yeah, I would see the movie first. Yeah, If sure. you're going to see it. Yeah, but if totally. not, if you, I would say if you're on the fence about a Michael Bay movie, the story, if you just read the story and know that, yes, all that craziness ends up on the screen, I would think that... I think the story sells the movie. Yeah, me too. If you know it. And I think a lot of people yeah. going into it didn't know that it was true. Yeah. Like, a couple of my friends didn't realize I like it the way the true. movie reminds you. Yeah. Yeah, oh, no, and yeah. that's something about the... I was going to mention earlier was, like, the way that the... I guess the little... Uh, I don't even know what that's captions called. Or... Captions. Like, and even the voiceover narrations from that we get from each character at important times in the film, whether it's our introduction to them... Uh, or to what they were thinking at this point, you know, or at least we assume they were thinking. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of really cool little captions that pop up on the screen. Just at that moment that you're like, okay, this was an indulgence. Like, this this didn't happen. 
you know, there's no way. And then there's something that pops up to remind you that. So you this know? is remember, this is still a true story. This is still story. a true story. Like, I'm glad you touched on the narration too. That was one other thing I just thought we would have to mention is that it it's rare in a movie for voiceover to not just be a total crutch and to yeah. kind of seem like, well, they're 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 having voiceover instead of telling story. But in this movie, it worked really well because it wasn't just one character, and it actually works. It's surprising the first few times it happens, but then later in the movie, they can just go to a certain character's voiceover, and you sort of believe, like you said, that you're you're seeing. It's important to see how they felt about something that goes on, and you see how everyone has these slightly different agendas and slightly different understandings. Yeah. It just made it feel more real, even in this, yeah. even in the, even in this amped up, saturated, you know, like uh, very very Michael Bay looking movie. Yeah, and actually, Ronald, you made a really good point about like I guess his headspace, like why. As a yeah. character, as a person, or a, a real, you know, figure that this happened with, like, you know, physically, he was extremely successful. And, you know, when he thought, when he talks about that in the opening scene, and we see how physically, you know, impressive he is, yeah. and, and the other characters as well. But, you know, you think about something like that, and he's like, if I if I want it, I can get it, you know, and that, that's very cliche, and that's something that, you know, I believe in to some respect, and a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you look at what I've read was, your Facebook posts. I yeah, know you're a very inspirational yeah, I'm dude. I'm trying to, man. Um, you know, <laughs> Goal-oriented? He, yeah. He, eye on the prize? <laughs> he just, he's that guy that was successful from within. Yeah. You know, he changed his physical self, and that doesn't translate to success outside of that sometimes. Right. You know, he used means to, to physically make his body nicer, and, like, that was his reference point for being successful that if i can think of this and and put the hard work in it happens well he's even kind of judgmental of people who don't who do don't. everything with what they've got exactly yeah, yeah. yeah which and is he, yeah. again you can kind of understand that totally and i mean that kind of is the means to where he kind of goes awry is he he takes that to the nth you know like the nth degree <laughs> like it doesn't happen like that he puts on know? his indigo jean shorts <laughs> and his and his like yeah. shock white Reeboks, and he goes out and all the ladies will enjoy the the nice uh, Calvin Klein shot. Yeah, yeah my friends that were with us like yeah. they were like, oh Calvin Klein, it's like tidy whiteies. Well, that was a good that laugh. Was actually, too. me. That yeah. said no, it, I, I think you and I both wrote it <laughs> yeah. down too. We both went, oh Calvin Klein underwear, <laughs> oh, clever underwear. reference, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Because at that point in time, I mean, they were talking in the mid-90s. Well, that I mean, was like 94, 95, yeah. so that was definitely, yeah. that was definitely there. I, that's kind of, was, was, he, was he Marky Mark then? Or was that late 80s, uh, early 90s? You know, I think, 90s? The, I think it would have been a, a few little, years before that. Okay, because that would have been pretty impressive if he was like himself in yeah. the Tutty Whitey's in that time, yeah. referencing maybe somebody that influenced him to wear them, which would have <laughs> actually been him. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Mind blown. Bam. Mind We're going to have to do blown. an alternate universe very prequel. Meta. Very, very meta. Yes, <laughs> thank you, Ronald. Very meta. Took it a little far there, but I, I thought that during the movie. I was like, wow, Michael Bay. <laughs> What I like Next is that level. after the movie, uh, <laughs> your, your friends were talking, and everyone was terrible. everyone was still calling him uh, Marky Mark. It's like yeah. no matter how many genuinely good performances the guy. I mean, it, it's only funny to me because I know that must bother the shit out of him. It must bother the shit out of if him. If I were him, I would not give a shit. Well, maybe that's right. where he is. You know but what I'm but, but I think from, he still from what does. I Super successful. I man. think that Mark Wahlberg still is a person that that has very interesting ideas about himself. Yeah, I, th- I think that. He takes his art very seriously, and you can tell. Like I, 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 I talk about how he's a terrible comedic actor, but he he was great in this. And you can tell that he really put a lot of energy into making this a good mm-hmm. movie. Seeing Anthony Mackie and The Rock and him work together, mm-hmm. it, the chemistry is almost great. like I'm gonna be swole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Oh my god! Anthony Mackie's little asides <laughs> as as things are happening in um, that scene when he says that when he says I'm gonna put my beef on all those tacos, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dying. So funny, really, really funny movie. I, I loved it. I definitely had high expectations for it. Only thing, maybe the runtime, but I think it didn't bother me because you know, 
what actually happens that sets this off happens relatively, I mean, not too far into the film. Right. And then you're like, oh, well, how can this movie be so long? And then you see how fucking crazy it yeah, gets. Yeah, you can't believe yeah. that it actually keeps escalating. Yes. And that was, and definitely knowing that it's true, like I said, it's the glue that keeps it together. It's, sure. But I, it's in, I, I definitely recommend it. It's in yeah. theaters now. I didn't want to like it, but I loved it. Man. Good, good, good. Um, it. But yeah, Pain and Gains in theaters. Check it out. Again, uh, it's a disaster. I recommend some videos on demand. John and I both recommend... Uh, the sightseers. sightseers, yeah, and I'm, uh, which it should be coming next month in limited yeah, release. So, yeah. I got to check out Oblivion. I, I wasn't fortunate enough to see it. I don't know. It's mixed positive from you guys. Yeah, if if you want to hear Melissa Leo do the worst Southern accent that anyone has ever done on film, then check it out. Mm. That's all I needed. Yeah, see, that's right. That's all I needed. <laughs> that's what you were waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, guys, anything else you want to throw in? Um, no, not that I can think of. If you like TV shows. Watch TV. Watch TV. We'll see you next week. Get a, get a Netflix membership. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, but be sure to tune into the next episode. We're going to do our summer preview. A little quick shout out to that real mm-hmm, quick. Mm-hmm. 2013 summer. Our, our safest movies. bets of summer. Safest bets. A lot of good movies come out this summer. A lot of movies we're going to want to see. Yep. But we're going to go month by month and kind of throw out our gem of the month, our must-see film. Cool. So that means you should write them all down because they will be the go-to films of the summer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, guys, thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for the summer preview next week. And uh, you've made our day. Take care. Bye. Bye. I was hoping we could do it in unison. I'm sorry. Right. Bye. Bye. There we go. There was no point to that. <laughs> <laughs>